We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We're talking about vision over the last couple of weeks, and I want to continue that series this morning. I heard the story about a family that was on vacation in Pennsylvania. They came up behind an Amish family and a horse and buggy. Evidently, that family had quite the sense of humor because painted on the back of that buggy was a hand-printed sign, and it said, this is an energy-efficient vehicle, runs on oats and hay, and then exclamation mark, watch out, do not step in the exhaust. Yeah, think about that for just a minute. Vision, what do you see? Can you see it? You know, we talked about the fact that we exist for those who are not here yet. And then last week, we began talking about when we invite people to come to Jesus Christ, we're asking them to do a very hard thing. We're asking them, in reality, to come and die to self and live to Jesus Christ. To put aside my ambitions, my goals, my dreams, and accept His plan for my life. And when you look at that on the surface, it can be a very difficult thing until you realize what a great exchange it really is. That he gives us life and hope and help and peace. He promises to meet every need. He gives us eternal life. And we can go on and on and on and on. But in light of that, because we are asking people to come and let Jesus change their life, transform them, it can be a difficult thing. And because of that, you and I in the church should remove every hindrance, every block, every preference that keeps people from coming to Jesus. You can say amen right there. I don't mind telling you when to say amen. That's all right. We should remove anything that keeps people from coming to Christ. Get it out of the way. And as we talked last week, most of the time, this isn't something that's life or death that we put up as a roadblock in someone's way, but rather it's my preference, what I like, what I want to see happen that stands between men and God. Preferences have to die on the altar of sacrifice. When Jesus said, come, take up your cross and follow me, he's saying your preference has to die right there. He's calling you to lift up a set of convictions that are contained in the word of God that have life-changing power. Listen to me. Preferences have no life-changing power. Only the word of God has power to change your life. So let your preferences fall aside. We talked about music and how so often that becomes the buzzword or, or that place where people want to pick a fight and stay and continue to fight. And that's wrong because every generation has a sound from the Father for their generation. And if you and I are really going to see the church continue beyond our lives, then we must reach succeeding generations coming after us. We have to reach young people. We have to reach children. We have to reach millennials. We have to reach young families. And that requires we adapt the sound, the appearance, the look to hit them where they're at. Now listen, we never change the message. Amen? The message is that Jesus Christ came, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for your sins and mine. He rose again on the third day. And today, he stands at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and me. The message never changes. However, the method, the way we package that message, what it may look like, can change based on generations. And we get in trouble in church when we get so 
tied up in knots because someone changed the packaging. You can say amen right there too. You see, we're willing to let people go to hell because we don't want to change the packaging. We're willing to let the church shrink and die because we're not willing to change what we like. Oh, God, forgive us. God, help us. I didn't plan to say this this morning, but the Holy Spirit wants me to, so you need to hear it. Someone said to me last week, if you change the name of that church, I'm going to leave. I said, why? I don't understand that. Well, you're disrespecting Pastor Shelley. I love Pastor Shelley. He was here for 18 years, but folks, he's been gone as long as he was here. Somebody needs to understand that. We are not disrespecting him or the legacy of Christian Heritage Church, but rather we want God to open a door to do a new thing, a greater thing, a mightier thing. And between me and you, there's been a lot of... I've got to watch it. The okay almost came out in me. There's been a lot of garbage from 2001 to 2009. We need to bury and get beyond and give a fresh look and a fresh identity to this city. Amen. I mentioned it last week. Some of you left during that period of time because of the nonsense that was going on. You came back. Some of you stayed through. Some of you know nothing about it, and I'm not going to tell you. But we need to understand we cannot allow our preferences to inhibit people, prohibit people from coming into the kingdom of God. We've got to be willing to be adaptable, to change, never changing the message, but always changing the package so that people can see something in us that they don't have and be drawn to the presence of the living God. So remember, we're asking people to come and die. If they're really going to come and give their life, if they're going to pick up their cross, deny themselves, and follow Jesus, there had better be something that has power and influence and hope built into it. And can I tell you, it's not the name of a church. It's not. It's not. We've got to get past that thinking and recognize that God does good things all the time. And new things all the time. The reason we struggle with preferences is because we have very little vision in our lives. We can't see beyond the end of our nose. We don't understand that God is bigger than me. He's bigger than my dreams, my ideals. Ephesians 3.20 tells me that. And when I grasp the fact that God is greater than anything I can dream or imagine, then I have to admit my vision for my life is minuscule compared to what God's vision for my life is. I'm I'm here to tell you. You can look at your life and say, well, I'll be in this same place in 10 years. No, you won't. Not if you're following a living God. Not if you come as the invited, come and die, pick up your cross and follow him. Every day will be filled with excitement and grandeur. You'll see what God wants you to see. You'll do what God wants you to do. You'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and great things will occur. Helen Keller was once asked, is blindness the greatest human handicap? Without hesitation, she replied, oh no. It's much worse to have seeing eyes, but not see. And so many of us in the church are just that way. We have seeing eyes, but we never see. We never see what God wants for us, what God has planned for us, what God is going to reveal for us. 
I told you last week that I envision, I see this place full because that's the will of God. Why do I say that? Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So that tells me every person in Tallahassee who doesn't know him as Lord and Savior is a potential member of Christian Heritage Church. See the things that God sees. Do you understand it breaks God's heart when he sees the drug addict and the alcoholic, when he sees the prostitute? It breaks God's heart when he sees fatherless children. It breaks God's heart when marriages blow apart. It breaks God's heart when sin runs rampant and people are seeing the horrible effects. Why? Because God already gave us a way out. He already provided provided a better way. So it's up to you and I to begin seeing things as God sees them so that he can implement his vision in our life and bring change into our hearts. Proverbs 29, 18, I talked about it last week. I'm going to start there today. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. One of the newer translations says it this way. Where there is no revelation, people are without restraint. Do you understand where there's no revelation of who Jesus is, what he has done, what he desires to do in your life, my life, and those around us? Where there is no revelation of the power of a living God, people live without restraint. Take a look around you, my friend. That's the exact condition we're in as a society and as a culture. Restraint has been cast off. I'm going to do what I want to do. No one's going to tell me. No, the Bible says where there's no vision of God's plan for your life, you live without restraint. Or would you allow him once again to birth vision within you, to begin seeing what he sees for your life? When I use the word vision, I'm not talking about daydreams. I'm not talking about your personal enthusiasm for your plans. I'm not talking about worldly ambition. But when I use the word vision, I'm talking about something that's outside of human effort. Vision is what you see by faith from God. So let me ask you, what are you seeing from God? What has God dropped in your heart that's bigger than you? What has God spoken into your spirit that you by yourself will never accomplish? And if you have to sit there with your hands folded and say, well, pastor, I don't know that there's anything. Then can I tell you at the close of this service, your response is to hit the altar and say, God, breathe on me. God, cause me to dream again. God, speak into my heart. I don't want to be dead wood. I want to be a living ember for the power of the living God. Oh, somebody let God breathe into you today. Vision is what you see by faith from God. Told you last week that when we came, I stayed here for two weeks in the church, night and day. God gave me four things. The plan for this church, number one, resolve the debt issue. I didn't know it was going to take four years, but let me tell you something. This week, we have an executed contract to sell the plaza. It'll close within 45 days. When it sells, over five, almost $5 million of debt is wiped away from this church. Oh, come on. See what God has for you. And you asked me not long ago. She remembered that as we were coming, God was giving me words for this church and I was sending them to the board and the search committee. And she remembered that one of those was that God was going to bring in large gifts. 
to help us with the debt. I had no idea that the large gift would come from the lender. You know, I thought, oh, well, that means God's going to bring in rich folks who can stroke a check for 500000 or a million dollars. Listen, anytime we try to put our apparatus on God's vision, we mess it up. So can I challenge you to dream again? See what God has for you. Break off the restraints. Lay aside the preferences and let him do what he wants to do. Because banks don't write off $5 million. That's a God thing. Come on, that's a God thing. I'm challenging you today to dream as you've never dreamed before. That was the second thing God said. Tell the people to dream again. Can I tell you once the shackle, once the yoke, once the burden is broken off of you, you can stand tall. You can stand full of fire and faith and you can say, my God is going to do great things in and through me. And what he has promised, he is well able to perform. Oh, dream again. Dream again. Let God fill you with vision that only comes from the throne. Dream again. And then I said, we need to release people into ministry. Some of you sitting in this room this morning, right now you need to take out that Blue, turquoise, whatever color that card is. That gator made it, so I don't know what you call it. At least it's not Florida blue, right? Amen. Take out that card right now. Grab a pen and put your name and your email and your phone number and tell us where you want to be involved because when you have a vision from God, you've got to plug into the kingdom. You've got to do something with what he's given you. You say, well, what I want to do isn't on there. Well, then write it down. It's not my job to tell you what God wants you to do. It's God's job to tell you and your job to listen and your job to obey. So engage in the kingdom, engage in the church, engage in service for what God wants to do. And let me tell you, the more of you that engage, the more will be in this place because you're going to be saying to your friends and family, you know what I'm doing? You ought to come and help me. And all of a sudden, they're coming. They say, well, what if they aren't saved? Don't worry about that. We're going to get them saved. God's going to change their lives and plug them in as well. Our responsibility isn't to clean the fish. Our responsibility is to cast the net. So stop trying to put your preferences, cleaning the fish, over individuals. Just cast the net. And let God bring them in and see what's going to happen. And then God said, if you'll do those three things, this is what's going to happen. I will build my church. I will build my church. It's time to recognize that's God's desire to build. I believe it grieves the heart of God to see this place empty. He wants it full. He wants this house full. So when I think about that, I have to take us to 1 Peter chapter 2. You can turn there in your Bible. And I want to read two verses. They'll put it on the screen. Only on that one because the bulb burned out on that one this morning. Isn't that wonderful? Now, we can get all bent out of shape because one screen is down. Or we can say, thank God the one screen is up. Hey, here's the good news. At least you're not having looked to the back to watch that one back there. Everybody turn around. See, there's a screen right back there too. How would you like to worship this morning facing the back? That'd be a little odd, wouldn't it? Just a little bit awkward. Not quite so good. 
We at least have one that's working. So quit griping about what we don't have and give God praise for what we do have. Amen. And thank God for those folks right back there in sound and CG who are going to fix it and make it work before next week. Amen. They do a great matter of fact. Would you take just a moment and give applause to everybody that's back in the back room doing the switching. Everybody on the cameras, everybody up there in sound and CG. Tell them how much you appreciate them. I remember the day when we didn't have any of that. I remember the day when my first sound man was 74 years old and deaf as a stone. It was not good. Thank you that you all don't have hearing aids back there. I appreciate that. We should be thankful for what we have. First Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. The New King James says it this way, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past you were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. I love that passage. But I want to read it to you from the message as well. And I want you to hear what Peter is saying about our response to this gospel. Our response to being called out of darkness and placed in this marvelous light. Our response to the good news that's invaded our soul. From the message, the last part of verse 9 says, We are God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him. To tell others of the night and day difference He made in you. Now what the King James says, say, it said that you should show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. The message said that you are God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. So here's my question. Who you been talking to? Who you been talking to? Have you been telling others about the night and day difference God has made for you. He took you from nothing to something, the message says. From rejected to accepted, the message says. When I read those verses and I recognize that too many times we are content with coming to Sunday worship. And I want you to come to Sunday worship. Understand that. I welcome all those who are watching online. But we need to understand it's more than just taking up a seat in a sanctuary. It's being able to be God's instruments to do His work and to speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made in our lives. Well, I can tell you, without God, I'd be a mess. I can tell you, before I accepted Jesus, I was on the road to hell. And I was going to split it wide open. And all of you were in the same place, the same predicament until you came to Christ. But when you came to Christ, He revolutionized you. He changed you. He transformed you. He made you over anew. Old things passed away. All things became new. Oh, somebody, tell them about the difference. Tell them about the difference. You came from nothing to something. I came from an old country kid from the wrong side of the tracks in the sand hills of Oklahoma to being a child of the living God. Oh, come on, friend. Think about it. I came from nothing to something. Let that fit into your, put that in your pipe and smoke it today. You came from nothing to something. God's done a great thing in your life. Someone has said that vision is really hope 
with a blueprint. Hope with a plan. Hope with a method of getting us there. A life that's under the influence of Jesus Christ is a life that is consumed with his vision for us. His vision will dominate our conversation. His vision will dictate our companions. Let me say that a different way. His vision will choose our friends. You know what Paul said? He said, bad company corrupts good character. Some of you are wondering, why can't I live successfully for God? Because you're hanging around with the wrong crowd. If you're hanging around with a crowd that's always displeasing and disobeying and sinning against God, you're in the wrong seat. Change seats. Hang around with those who will help you. Vision dominates and dictates our choices. What we do and we don't do. Think about Joseph. Joseph had a dream when he was a boy. He told it to his brothers. They hated him for it. They threw him in a pit, sold him to slave traders. He went to Egypt. He was working in Potiphar's house. His wife falsely accused Joseph of committing adultery or trying to rape her. He was thrown in prison for 13 years. But in all that time, in all that trial, in all that tribulation, there was a dream. There was a vision. There was a promise. There was a hope that today is not the way it's going to be forever. There is change coming. And I'm speaking that into somebody's life today prophetically. You say things are never going to change. I'm telling you it will. There is change coming. When you tie into the vision of God, dream the dreams of God. Tomorrow won't be like today. Tomorrow won't be like yesterday. There's hope. There's vision. There's purpose when you hang on to God. 13 years in prison. And then he was promoted to the second of all of Egypt. God put him in a position where he was able to save not just Egypt through a time of famine, but listen, he was able to save God's chosen people because they were dying of starvation. They were looking for relief. And because of the dream he never gave up on, God used him to be a miraculous means of deliverance for the people of God. Oh, somebody hear me. In this room today, God wants to find men and women who will stand up and say, I want to be that person. I want to be that person. I want to be a means of deliverance. I want to be a means to deliver a miracle to somebody who needs it. Look around you. On every side, there are people who are dying, who have no hope, who have no reason to go on. They're waiting for somebody just like you or just like me to speak vision, to speak hope, to speak direction into their lives, to tell them tomorrow won't be like today. I've got an answer. I've got a solution. Let me tell you what he did for me and he'll do even more for you. God's looking for people who will stop being silenced, mealy-mouthed Christians and who will start being bold men and women of God who doesn't care what one side or the other says, who's not going down politics or party lines, but who's standing on the gospel and saying, I know the answer is Jesus Christ. I was on a call yesterday with some other pastors. God dropped this into my heart and I shared it with them. I want to share it with you. 
You see, too many people look to a office, the office of the president, and think our salvation somehow is going to occur through that. They think that if only this person or that person is elected, everything's going to be all right. Let me tell you something. The attack of the enemy does not abate because there's someone in the White House that says, I believe in God. Rather, the attack of the enemy intensifies and he comes against us with great force. Oh, church, wake up. We are the only answer to this world. It's not coming from Washington. I don't care who's in the White House. It's not coming from the State House. I don't care who's the governor. The answer only comes from God. Through Jesus Christ, as His people stand up in boldness and say, we're going to believe God. Nehemiah, once he received the vision from God to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of the city that he loved. Now realize he had been 70 years in Babylonian captivity. He was serving the king of Babylon. But God in that place spoke into his heart. Some of you say, well, I can't be a bold Christian because I work for the government. Well, it didn't bother Nehemiah. <laughs> Come on, somebody think about it. You bought the lie of the world yes. to be silent. Yes. You let them muzzle your testimony. Stop doing it. Yes. Believe that God is able. And it didn't matter how many sand ballots and Tobias came against him. It didn't matter how many enemies rallied against him. He said, we're going to hold the sword in one hand and the trowel in the other. And we're going to fight and we're going to build and we're going to build and we're going to fight and we're going to fight and we're going to build until the wall is completed. And it was in a record time. Oh, somebody hear me. It's time to stand up and say, I'm going to build the kingdom through God and I'm going to fight the enemy. I am not giving up. I am not giving in. I am going forward. There is no reason that one person in my circle of influence should die and split the devil's hell wide open. I will not allow it. I'm going to fight and I'm going to build. Come on, be a Nehemiah. Be a Nehemiah. Charles Swindoll said, vision is essential for survival. It's greater than sight. It's deeper than a dream. It's broader than an idea. Vision encompasses vast vistas outside the realm of the predictable, the safe, the expected. No wonder, he said, we perish without it. I know we live in Florida. I know we live in the forest. But I've got to be honest with you. Every few months, I've got to get out of here where I can see. I've got to see the horizon, whether it's going to the Gulf and seeing an endless horizon, whether it's going back to the high plains of western Oklahoma, Kansas, or Colorado. I've got to be able to see. I could stand on a hill on my dad's farm, and I could see 20 miles in every direction. I went up there regularly as a boy just to dream. And every now and then, I need to walk back to that farm and climb that sand hill and begin to dream again. Oh, do you hear what I'm saying? You stop dreaming because the trees are closing in. It's time to get out of that position, climb to the top of the hill, and see what God has for you. Dream the dreams of God. See what God wants to pour into your life. Vision is so vitally important because without it, we die. Without it, we perish. Without it, we live without restraint. Without it, we fail miserably in being the church God has called us to be.
Father, in Jesus' name. I'm going to quit right now because you're ready to move in people's lives. Right now. Spirit of God, across this auditorium. Across this auditorium. Birth vision. Your vision. In the heart of your people. God, would you help us to dream again? Will you help us to cast off the shackles, the restraints of yesterday? Help us to lay aside every excuse that we've used. And let's dream again. Let's dream what God wants to do in this place, in this city, in and through our lives. Help us to dream again. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.